Welcome to the CRE Exchange Podcast, where we deep dive into the global trends and challenges of CRE professionals across all sectors of the commercial real estate industry. We engage with experts in the space to bring you innovative insights into industry practices, opportunities, and challenges to better inform your decisions. This episode is brought to you by Altus Group, a global leader in asset and fund intelligence for commercial real estate. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the CRE Exchange. I'm Cole Perry, your host and senior research analyst here at Altus Group, a leading provider of asset and fund-level intelligence. I'm joined by Omar Elterai, our U.S. Director of Research. Uh, together, we're going to share some latest news and trends in U.S. CRE that has caught our attention. Omar, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. Let's start from the top. I know last week there was some big news about CPI and GDP. Tell us some of the stuff about the big macroeconomic news that caught your attention last week. Yeah, certainly. So I would say it was a positive week, right? We have a number of uh, macroeconomic indicators that were quite positive and helped fuel the resurgence of the soft landing narrative that has really spread across capital markets and, and give hope for either delaying or avoiding a, a sharp uh, recession, at least in the U.S., first really being the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, their third quarter projection of GDP growing by 4.1% at an annual rate. This is really the highest quarterly read since the fourth quarter of 2021, and that is taking into account the economic releases that are up to date and it is positive news that the economy as a whole is still growing and at a pretty quick clip. Another data set that was quite positive as well was on the inflation front. There was the PPI that came out at 80 basis points on Friday and that followed the CPI read of 3.1% on a year-on-year basis. I think the way that the market was viewing it and read it more positively was a month on month, it was merely 20 basis points up, which really supports this theme of inflation moderating. And that 20 basis point month on month increase puts inflation roughly in that two, two and a half percent range that the Fed has been targeting. And then the final inflation print that came out last week that caught a lot of attention was the Cleveland Fed's inflation expectations supporting that moderating inflation thesis. So I think this is all a very positive shift and has really helped support the idea that soft landing is back on the table. Right. And so the big question is, what does this mean for interest rates? Do you think that this is the clarity we've finally been looking for? Is transaction volume in the CRE space going to pick up? Is this the big news? What do you think? I think that it is a piece of the bigger picture and is supportive of more positive news that will spread across pretty much all industries, including commercial real estate. However, I would counter that or kind of you got to still weigh the fact that the Fed is still keeping the optionality of additional rate hikes on the table. And so even though the markets seem to view a soft landing and really the markets are anticipating that the Fed will 
not raise rates at their September 20th meeting. It is something that we saw earlier in this year that the markets were often in disagreement with what the Fed ended up doing and in disagreement with the Fed's guidance. Given that the Fed is leaving additional rate hikes on the table, I would say it's a little too soon to say that cost of capital is going to remain the same or that no more rate hikes are going to be seen in the future. And to be totally fair, we're still above their target range too. So, right. And one of the other things about last week, I think core CPI has leveled off a bit minus volatile food and energy prices, but it's again, not quite where they like it to be. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. Got it. So let's turn to the capital markets a little bit. What's been catching your attention there? What are you looking at in earnings and what does that mean? Yeah, we are wrapping up earnings season. So covering the second quarter results, I think that the high level takeaways are really that the second quarter earnings were better than expected, but still showing some signs of weakness or areas of concern. You're seeing sales down and a lot of guidance for continued declines in sales over the next couple of quarters. But as many management teams were quick to point out that they are very much focused on managing their margins. And even though inflation has been a major pressure on their overall expenses and margins as a whole, the management teams across the companies have really done a lot to make sure that every dollar they are expecting slower top line growth that they will be able to maintain their margins going forward. So I do think that it's a bit mixed, even though the very highest level uh, read is that it was better than expected. I think that was because the expectations were a bit gloomier than what actually happened. And so it was a positive surprise, but ultimately it doesn't mean we're completely out of the woods yet. And I would also put a final Note that for folks that like to be a little bit more cynical, the current rally in the equity markets is that we've seen year to date really is still in line with a lot of the pre-recession rallies that came before the last couple of recessions that we've seen. So with the markets being up 15, 20%, depending what day you're looking at, that still is in line with prior pre-recession rallies. And Also, if you're looking at from a multiple point of view and the overall valuation of the markets, the market does look a little bit rich with the current PE. If you're looking at PE compared to the trailing 12-month earnings, it's around 25x. And then if you're looking at price to earnings multiple on a forward basis, the expectation is that the market's really trading at a 20 times earnings which both of those are a bit higher than their historical averages. So I think you can still have a debate of, is the market either overpriced or is it, have we fully gotten rid of the idea of a recession? I don't think that the current multiples really support the idea that there is no recession ahead. And so were there any specific institutions you were looking at or any specific sectors? I know we'll get to banking in a couple of minutes here, but were there any kind of notable quotes from some of these earnings calls that you were looking at? Yeah, especially 
I was diving in more to the real estate companies. And I think you got this mixed messaging, right, around dress. A number of the brokerage firms have highlighted that there's been a significant fall and decline in transaction volume. And that's something that I think certainly affected their earnings this quarter, as well as the first quarter. But not many of them took distress off the table. That's something that they expect to come. Some put in the next 12 to 18 months. That's when we'll start seeing it. But others put it over the next five years. Call out. So Newmark is expecting to see really over the next five years distress to pick up as maturities of the debt that finances commercial real estate to come due. Then others have mentioned that the dry powder that they do have will likely be allocated to and put to use in specifically in the non-performing commercial mortgages that won't be able to refinance. So I think that the distress story on the real estate side, the high level view is really that they're still anticipating it. Not yet. And commentary from Starwood's call really, I think, helped highlight this. And they flagged that they are expecting their special servicing business to really ramp up and start getting busier over the next 12 to 18 months. But then I would also caveat that with a number of REITs were calling out how even though distress was asked in many of the Q&A portions of their calls, distress has not fully materialized. So I think that's something that illustrates kind of this eddy or this holding pattern that we're in right now where people haven't taken the possibility of distress off the table, but it's not entirely present at the moment. Do you want to dig a little bit into REITs? Which ones are you watching? I know we had some big news from SL Green and some others. What are you watching in the, in the REIT earning space? Yeah, so I think REITs have been first taking a step back and just looking at how REITs have performed year to date. They are up, which is positive. They're really regaining some of the lost ground from 2022, which was a really rather horrendous year for REITs. But so seeing them really retrace some of that lost ground is positive. However, they are still trailing the broader market as a whole. So REITs have really been up five to 7% this year. However, the dispersion of the returns is very wide. If you look across the different property types and the different sectors, one of the things that we commented on earlier in this year and as one of the main themes for 2023 is that selection and whether it's fund managers and investors who are selecting individual properties and individual assets, or if it is from an investor standpoint of how they're allocating their portfolio across different sectors, that is becoming more and more clear that selectivity is driving overall returns. So I think that is very much playing out in the REIT space, but then also in the private space as well. I knew that you were listening in on a lot of the lending and banking calls. What were you hearing and seeing across those? Yeah. You know, I think one of the things is I echo what you said at the beginning. A lot of the big bank earnings have signified to analysts like myself that we're headed for the soft landing. And this was the first quarterly earnings since the failure of Silicon Valley Bank signature in First Republic. So a lot of people were looking out for these. And generally speaking, the big four, so JP Morgan, Citibank, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America posted better than expected revenue. 
The one exception to that is Citibank was down 3% year over year in terms of revenue. And I think that's largely because they're tied up in investment banking. So that was one of the more negatives of those four calls. I think they're really looking for investment banking to pick back up. But the other three performed better in that regard. Turning it to CRE, across all calls, all of the big banks are setting aside money for credit loss. They're pretty careful to say this isn't a warning about the direction it's going, but they're prepared for CRE distress. And then everybody was kind of looking at regional mid-sized banks due to the crisis. And I think that one of the things they mentioned on their calls is that deposits have stabilized. But I don't think that really means that the crisis is totally over. There were plenty of regional and mid-sized banks that reported flat profits or were down year over year slightly. So I'm interested to see where that's headed. I think Digging into some of the individual numbers, JP Morgan's call was interesting. They reported CRE charge-offs of $100 million, and $82 million of those were in the office space. Citibank's profits tumbled 36% quarter over quarter. Again, they're waiting for this long-awaited pickup in investment banking activity that they've really yet to see materialize. Wells Fargo saw their deposits take up a bit, again, all of the fear around regional banks led people to flee for greener pastures into larger banks. Wells Fargo is an interesting one. They're one of the largest commercial real estate lenders in the country. And so their kind of outlook on things uh, and their good performance is a good sign that we're headed for a softer landing. Bank of America's call to me. So they surprised analysts actually by having the opposite experience of Citibank. They gained in investment banking fees and their profit was up 20% year over year. They have a relatively small exposure to commercial real estate, about 2% of their lending portfolio is in CRE. Now contrast that with some regional banks. I think there are some to watch and I listened into a few of the calls, but Zions, Western Alliance, M&T, these banks all have huge exposure to commercial real estate. M&T all this quarter, 87 million in CRE charge-offs, and they attributed that to some specific assets in lower Manhattan office space. So yeah, a lot of interesting news, but I think two things really is that we're not through the regional banking crisis yet, and the earnings showed that. And the big banks have proved pretty resilient. And I think that they're signifying that to the overall economy. Nice. Thanks for covering those. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So let's turn our attention to CRE specifically, the Odyssey Index. Tell us a little bit about the quarterly results and what you're looking at. Certainly. Since our last call and the last recording, we've had our performance team do their Odyssey breakdown and the analysis of the Odyssey Index. And that's a rather granular breakdown of all the funds and the drivers of returns. And I would encourage everybody to view that webinar if you weren't able to catch it live. But some of the key takeaways there are that the overall index return was down about 2%, just in line with the prior quarter's performance. So with the first quarter's performance, and even though the index was down. I view this as a moderating decline. That's a kind of positive take on otherwise a negative situation. You still saw total return was really driven by asset write downs and just overall value depreciation because ultimately cash flows were still in place, but just not enough to 
offset the depreciation of assets, which was driven, of course, by the higher cost of capital in the market. And so another thing to note is that the return variance between the top performing property sector, which was industrial, which actually had a 20 basis point total return for the quarter. And compared to the bottom performing sector, which is office, which was down 7.3%, this variance of around 750 basis points, this is one of the larger variances we've seen over the last year. And so to me, that again goes to the importance of selection by sector by individual properties that managers today are having a challenge with because it is becoming more and more important. But then also another big trend that I thought was quite apparent is that a lot of the markets that seem to perform very well coming out of the pandemic. So this is a lot of the West Coast markets seem to be giving back a number of those gains at a faster clip than other geographies. The Midwest was very strong and positive compared to the West Coast, which is really lagging quite a bit. And then final kind of takeaway and tying it back to some of the public market signals that we've seen and indicators that we're tracking is that with the REITs up around 5 to 7% year to date and private valuations still coming down, the gap between public and private it has really halved. So I know that that was at one point it was around 30%, but it's now right around 15 to 17%, which I think that is something that I'm sure will drive a lot of commentary going forward, but it is a notable trend that the valuations are starting to come together again. Omar, I think that's all the time that we've got, but I want to thank you for joining me and I look forward to having you next week for another update. Thank you for listening to the CRE Exchange podcast powered by Altus Group. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Altus Group, a global leader in asset and fund intelligence for commercial real estate. At Altus, we bring together capabilities across technology, analytics, valuations, tax, and development advisory services. We are guided by bold thinking, integrity, and inclusivity, partnering with CRE professionals to maximize opportunities with exceptional service experience. Find out more at altusgroup.com.